Well, to some extent, I feel like I've really always known God's love, or at the very least, it's always been, uh, to some extent, tangibly there. Uh, it very much was present in my family life. Uh, prayer, but just this confidence that God was there in the day, that he was with us, that he was he had a plan for us, he was blessing us. But of course, you know, as a as a child, certainly as a two year old, you're not processing this in a very particular not really owning this truth. Um and so feeling comfortable with the idea, very much the idea, God loves me for mo- for much of my life. But coming into coming into high school and college, feeling that kind of yeah, grow. Uh, I'd say in high school, there were some experiences I had, particularly over retreats, uh, just small encounters with God's love and, and feeling convicted about this truth that God loves me. But it was really probably the main thing I'd point to was in college, uh, experiencing a, a pretty good amount of depression over a couple of years. And it, it just made it just made life hard. <laughs> it didn't make it impossible. And there weren't kind of particular factors in like reasons why I was depressed, but this was more or less the reality that I faced. I was just going through depression and life was really difficult. And it was in that time where, you know, going to prayer, going to our Lord, I got used to saying, okay, Lord, I know you can purify us through suffering. I know the real goal is heaven, not earth. So whatever whatever you need to put me through here so I can get to heaven, I accept. And and I think he was he was definitely pleased with that at some level. But I, I think he really used depression to lead me to something deeper, to lead me to a sense that that he wanted more for me than just the kind of white knuckle it through life knowing he had a really killer investment plan. That it wasn't just, uh, yeah, it wasn't just knowing in my head there's a place where I will be happy one day, and he's there, and I'm here, so I gotta gotta get through it and get there. I think over the course of those years, uh, it was especially kind of prayer at night. I was just going to bed and, and usually saying, "Well, Lord, it's another day. I I don't particularly care for. Yeah, I give it to you, and hopefully you'll bless the next one." And just feeling, especially in those times, a, a very gradually increasing sense of peace. A sense not just that I can get through this for you, but I am getting through this with you. That he wasn't just interested in, in my perseverance, but he was there in my suffering. He wasn't, he wasn't simply going to take it away but he never wanted me to be alone in it. And he wanted to know, he wanted me to know that I wasn't alone in it. Yeah, I, I really, well, I'm I'm certainly glad uh, much of that is, has kind of passed at this point. I, I really look back with a, a great degree of gratitude at that time of depression, just for being the means by which God kind of, brought me peace and showed me he wants to be with me. There was a particular cross on campus I love to just go to. It's just kind of a nightly walk. Just walk up there, walk back. And the reality I knew 
and felt every day was just that inevitably I walked back from that cross with more peace than I walked to it. it yeah, there was no kind of cure in those moments. It wasn't like it, it vanished, but it was just, it was always something tangible. I'd say there was one night in particular of going there, uh, of going up to that cross and and just kind of saying, uh, I remembered an episode from the gospel when when the apostles are in the boat and there's a storm raging and Peter says to Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? And I, I felt like that was really what my heart was crying out. That it was, Lord, it's not just I'm perishing and I'm worried, but I, I feel that you don't care. And I, as soon as I said that, you know, the, the tears start coming, and, uh, and and just sitting there in a minute for silence, I just felt, just sort of felt a response of just in the same words, I do care. And it was it was this profound sense that one, he had brought me to that prayer that he had wanted me to say it because he wanted to show me what my what my real fear was there what my what my worry was, what was causing me the real anguish that I was alone in this. And having shown me that, that he wanted to tell me in a way I could believe, in a way I could remember, I do care. I am here with you in this. I guess first and foremost, it, I think the image that sometimes comes into my mind is walking into a theater and and looking at the, the movie screen and realizing you've got to go back out because you didn't grab the 3D glasses, you didn't realize this was a 3D movie, and you realize it as soon as you look at the screen because it looks weird. Uh, and I've, I've once stubbornly sat there for the first half of a movie uh, just staring at the screen, just being like, no, I, I won't wear the 3D glasses. I can still make it up. And, and it worked. You know, I could see the movie. I could understand everything that was happening. It was... Un, you know, mildly uncomfortable. I was kind of had to focus more than I would have. And, uh, but then finally I just went out and got the glasses and it changed everything, right? It wasn't anything momentous. It wasn't like I was suddenly watching a different movie, technically, right? Same movie, but it was, I don't know, it was more enjoyable. Uh, it, it felt more natural. And I, I sometimes think of this as an image for going through God, to going through life, knowing that I'm a son of the Father. Uh, knowing that that the day, you know, whether it's the best of days, the worst of days, uh, you know, a random day in the middle of the school year or a nice day down down in South Carolina on family vacation. Um that it's a day given me by the Father, that it's a day that He's designed with me in mind, uh, that whether it has more joys or more suffering, that it's a gift from Him and that He's with me in it. Uh, I grew up in a family of six kids, I'm the fifth of six, so you were never alone in the house. Uh, it wasn't really, really possible. You 
at best you could get a couple rooms uh, rooms away from some other people, but you'd always hear the sound. And uh, and I loved it growing up. Uh, and you know, sometimes finding that solitude was always nice. But it was it's been one of the bigger realizations of what it means to me to be a son of a father that he's always there. He's never kind of intruding. He's not invasive. Uh, it's not like I just hear Bible verses being kind of muttered in every room I enter or something kind of strange like that. Uh, but it it is this sense that whether in, in joys, in sufferings, or just, you know, driving to Arby's for dinner, that I'm not alone. I think one of my favorite ways God expresses his love for me and I experience it uh, probably speaks to my lack of virtue as much as anything, but I'm I'm just not the most patient driver. And and red lights, right, especially when you hit a series of red lights and you think, oh, it, why, why is it times like this? What are the odds that I hit red light after red light? And, you know, those happen. And so sometimes a quick prayer for patience is helpful. But there's just been a number of times where I'm just driving back from said Arby's or from Walmart somewhere and just hit a whole series of green lights or hit all green lights all the way home. And I just remember, huh, that's statistically improbable. And it's just one of those little things that I, I tend to tend to just kind of glance upward and just say, thank you, Father. Like, that's a little thing. And you know I'm petty. You know it shouldn't matter to me quite this much, because if I were more patient, it'd be fine. But you know this is a little way that that I will be blessed. And, and you're willing, you know, you, you don't spoil me, you don't just give me magic green lights everywhere, but but occasionally you do it just as this little reminder of your love. Uh, another one that my family loves to make me fun of me for is uh, is rainy days or just really dark, gray days. I don't know exactly why I'm such a fan of them. My family tends to, to call me a vampire or some such, but but I love them. Yeah, just walking out on those days and just thinking, okay, this day might have been a different way, Lord, but you made it like this. I know, at the very least for myself, one thing I've needed to hear and been really blessed by hearing, this fact that God is always more patient than I expect or imagine. And that I I think I tend to approach God or think about God like, He's going to be demanding, and he's going to remember all the things I did wrong that day, and and he's going to ask for things that are too much for me. And these reminders of God's patience are so important for me because God is more patient with me than I tend to be with myself or than I can be with myself, that he knows my flaws. It's not simply because he doesn't know me well enough yet that he loves me and has chosen me to be his son. But it's knowing all of my flaws, knowing all the things I have done wrong, even all the things I will do wrong, that he chose to call me, that he delights in me. Uh, I think one phrase I'm particularly fond of, I remember hearing this from, from a comedian when I was pretty little, but he said uh, his life was kind of changed when someone told him for the first time, you know, God likes you. Like, I'd always known God loved me. That's kind of, you always hear that. God loves you. God is love. That's what he does. But I hadn't really thought 
God likes me, that he enjoys me the way I am. He enjoys my sense of humor. He enjoys the the odd way I do this or that. He enjoys that my favorite game is soccer or and that that his love isn't something I always have to be trying to win, trying to merit, but that his love is given unconditionally, knowing everything about who I am, and that he longs to extend that love, already extending that love to everyone. He longs to make, to help us understand that love that he has for us. So many Bible verses come to mind. Uh, One I, I love to think of is that though a mother should forget her child, still I would not forget you. And being from a family of of six kids, it was actually theoretically a a possibility at some point or another that you would be forgotten, right? Never because of a lack of love, but just because there are are six little people darting around and it's hard to manage them all. And to feel, you know, amidst seven billion people, like God as a father could be eminently excused if he ever did briefly forget one of us. But then not for a moment, not a single one of us not on the hardest days, not on the best days. Does he ever lose track of us, lose sight of us, or lose or or forget the radical, intense love he has for us? 